1: Hi, everyone. It's Michael Nesmith on the Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff, A production of Pantheon Podcasts.
0: Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here back for another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Podcasts. We are part of the vast and growing Pantheon Podcast Network, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Um, this is another episode uh suggested by neil miller neil's been sending in a lot of uh cool examples and then he kind of fills them out he's actually in south africa which is kind of cool uh but anyways so uh yes thanks again neil this uh was suggested by you i wasn't crazy about the idea if i had come up with this myself i might not have done it but you know you've, you've given a lot of cool kind of honorable mentions here um which sort of fills it out it's a little bit of a chaotic episode anyways um but what this is, episode 124, I'm calling it re-recording the Old Hits. And we're going to look at various interesting storylines in bands re-recording their old songs. Uh, you know, as, as usual, different dynamics, different honorable mentions, little nooks and crannies, little odd things about it. Um, but the nice thing about this episode, I think, is that um, it reminds you of some stuff that maybe you forgot about or didn't know existed out there in terms of these bands reinterpreting their old uh, hits in uh, certain ways. not It's actually not always old hits. There's one that's going to kind of break the rules. Um, but yes, why do bands do this? There are a number of reasons um, guys do this. Um, sometimes it's just purely creative, but usually it has a little bit to do with the idea of... Um, You've sold off your publishing. It's a little complicated. There's performance. There's the writing. There's the, there's the, you know, does the label own your masters? Do you own the masters? Do you do a new deal with a new label that you have a better relationship with and you allow them to have the masters or do you buy back your masters? Um, or do you uh, re-record something new, hang on to the masters, and maybe license them out to to other labels? So I got a little bit of a, advice on this and just shows how complicated it is. I'm not going to use names, but I, I've mentioned to you before I have my uh, really cool uh, email group cabal of industry people. And um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep these people anonymous, but I did ask the question. I, I sort of said, I suppose the label just wants to do it so they can sell more copies. I mean, the band already gets the song right piece, right? Maybe they have sold off the performance piece. Does the concept of owning the masters come into this? I can't see how, because the new, because the the new recording is new. So it actually is kind of important. This is the performance piece. I don't quite have the, uh, the answer for, but um, anyways, one answer that came back, about why to do this. I mean, just in general, I'll explain why to do it first of all and and then mention some of these things. So the idea, again, is that if you re-record your old hits, stay with me here on this, if you re-record your old hits... Um, you can have a number of things happen. You can re-record it so close to the old ones that if, for example, a documentary or a movie or an advertisement wants to use that song, you can use the new version and you essentially get to keep more of the money because perhaps... You own the masters this time um, and various other, you know, kind of layers to uh, to the way you get paid to do this. Or as you're going to hear in one interesting quote from my industry people, um, you know, using the example of Taylor Swift, um, I'll just explain and I'll probably read it in a second too. But the idea also is that um, if you're having a real war with your old record company and they kind of own your publishing in various ways to various extents, uh, you know, maybe there's a clause that you can't go do this stuff, like they have control of, of whether uh the old song gets used again. You can re-record your old songs and then go directly to your fans and convince them uh when they're enjoying those old massive hits of yours, uh, have them stream or download the new versions. And then again, you get to keep more of the money uh, in various tiers. So, anyways, a one answer back came. Anytime you have a sync in a film, TV show, the party that's looking to insert the song needs to clear both sides in quotes, which means master and publishing. If the band owns its own master, it's certainly easier to clear than being reliant on the original label. Established acts usually have a a publishing deal, or at least, or at the very least, have an admin deal. So again, that needs to be sorted. Sync revenues can be lucrative for an act. Other things to know, old deals have re-record restrictions which are decades long meaning that the band needs to wait for the uh for that to expire to be able to re-release the same song uh record, re-recorded or they'd be violating their original agreement with the label who owned or licensed that recording. Um, a few other things I mentioned uh so so I answered back and said so what I gather is if Twisted Sister who did, you know, remember they had Stay Hungry and then they had Still Hungry, are asked for an old hit song and convinced the film doc or whatever to take the new thing, then it's easier to supply because they have Handy the Master for the new thing because they have a recent happy agreement with, for example, Spitfire maybe, uh, who did Still Hungry, whereas the original, we're not going to take it. They have to go ask Atlantic for it. And then my wise music Swami uh, answered back again, who will remain uh, anonymous, says, that's exactly it, Martin. Go back and check. OK, now I'm not going to go into that story because it kind of uh, kind of lets on. Uh, it's more of a personal story about. And then I had another answer to elaborate. Uh, remember that the record labels traditionally own the master recording. This has become less prevalent over the past two decades, the so-called 360 deals. And it's also why you often hear about major bands with cash uh, negotiating and negotiating clout. In quotes, buying back their masters. Metallica did this almost 20 years ago, if I recall, during some contract renewal with Warner. Needless to say, uh, but cutting out their old label and using the new master, Twisted Sister, get all the master income, assuming they license the new version to Spitfire and now own it in full. So there's a little explanation of, of why bands do this sometimes. Let's go into our first uh, song of this episode, 124. What the heck did I call it again? Rerecording the old hits. Take a listen to this. This is Uriah Heep with Bird of Prey.
1: So I must and play the way
0: All right. Love that song. I wanted to play that because it's one of my favorite songs. Uh, the Celebration album by Uri Heap. They've been on a tear. They've been making a lot of great music. They've got this great lineup. They're amazing live. Um, so October 6, 2009, they put out this album called Celebration, which is, which is a pure example of this idea. It's just them re-recording uh, a whole bunch of their old hits. They actually added uh, two new studio tracks on this album. Um, very similar and actually now that i think of it they have the same management there might be an idea going on here that is strictly just what we talked about uh, saxon just re re-recorded a bunch of their old hits uh and called the album heavy metal thunder uh that's from 2002 um and uh let's see what else what are some of the other examples scorpions with the come black album they did that um As Neil says, Neil's given me some comments when he's given me some of these uh, examples. Worth it at least to hear a studio version of Rhythm of Love that does not sound like it was recorded in an aircraft hangar. Uh, Squeeze, Spot the Difference. So getting a little off of what we usually talk about here, but I actually went and played this this morning. It was quite amusing. So Squeeze went and re-recorded a whole bunch of their old hits uh, and called the album Spot the Difference. Uh, as Neil says whole album of carbon copy re-recordings with cheeky title "Sticks Regeneration volumes one and two uh, Neil says JY and, to- and, to- and Tommy Shaw trying to convince everybody Lawrence Gowan is the definitive Sticks frontman also Lady95 recorded because Wooden Nickel asked too much money for licensing the original uh, actually got the band to reunite because the vocal recording session was where the band reconnected uh, and made peace temporarily exclamation mark Manowar Kings of Metal uh, is like like this kind of weird they did um uh battle him uh you know and and so here's another reason why you actually go back and re-record your old hits if the if the original production was pretty clangy and not that great or maybe even the performances you weren't happy about and also you have personnel changes uh this is not one where we're talking about i mean the the um the Uri i heap was one where it is actually a different singer as well but um that's not really um you know, the reason in, in all cases or in many cases for this. Diamond Head, Lightning to the Nations 2020. So they went and re-recorded a bunch of their old songs. Foreigner, uh, feels like the first time hits re-recorded with current lineup. Camel, re-recorded Snow Goose in its entirety. Uh, Dock and the Anthems. Um, so this is where you're getting into, uh, again, um, Cleopatra Records is actually a company who does a lot of this. So so Brian over there, you know, has has obviously looked into this whole thing and, there's, and it, it, there are these, financial reasons to do this thing you know and when i say financial reasons there's also just the reason that um you may you may sell a lot of records with this i mean after all it is your biggest songs your best written songs your big hits from the past the songs people want to hear if you do either reinterpreted versions or even spot-on versions of these songs chances are you have a really good chance of selling selling a lot of these records i mean i can't think of too many good examples um but that's kind of the idea elo jeff lynn really um Neil Wright's recorded a whole bunch of ELO hits by himself mostly for a compilation for licensing and films, etc. Another great example. I remember from the past, one of the early ones that ever did this, uh, uh, blue oyster cult with that cult classics album with that not great album cover on it. Um, but they went and re-recorded a bunch of their songs. And if I recall correctly, that was right, right around that time when they were in that whole thing, um, with the, um, you know, working out their publishing things, selling their publishing, um, kiss with the Jigoku Retsuden album in Japan, whole album of re-recordings with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Tommy and Eric singing, uh, monster sonic boom type production, um, kind of neat. Journey hits re-recorded with Arnell, um, sold as a bonus disc with Revelations. Rick Wakeman, Journey of the Center of the Earth, King Arthur. Mike Oldfield, Tubular, tubular Bells. Uh, so there's some examples down this particular pathway. Let's move on to our second example. Interesting story here. Take a listen to this. This is Yes with Fly From Here Part 1 colon We Can Fly. Every day. All right, so what Yes did, they had this great album um, called Fly From Here, uh, came out. Uh, Trevor Horn was producing the album, but it's the only album they ever did with uh, Benoit David from Montreal. Uh, Then he had some respiratory problems, uh, and he was out of the band, so they only had this one album with Benoit David singing. After that, they got John Davison. But what Yes went and did, which is pretty bizarre, um, Trevor Horn was the singer on Drama. Um, So what they did is they went and because he's their producer anyways, they went and and re-recorded all the vocals. They put Trevor's vocals on there and he actually did a couple of little remixing things. And they they re-released Fly From Here and they called it Return Trip. Um, And the other really cool thing about this is when they did that it it was now the exact same lineup that recorded that awesome drama album that's really coming up in a lot of people's uh estimations uh 1980 drama album so that's when you know the buggles we get we get jeff downs and trevor horn joining some yes members uh and essentially putting that out so so return trip is actually and and the vocals are great on it they sound really really good so the return trip album is fly from here uh kind of like brought back into the family Pr- pretty darn interesting um, all right. Uh, and, and one more, uh, one more example, kind of a little bit along these lines is, uh, and this isn't a released album, but you can go actually listen to it on YouTube, which I did. You can hear all the songs. Cheap Trick went and recorded, I believe it's just exactly the In Color album, maybe a couple other things. Um, but they went and re-recorded it all with, uh, you know, the legendary noise rock, uh, you know, recorder uh, or whatever his credit is, Steve Albini, uh, you know, of Nirvana fame and, and whatnot and some of those heavy, heavier bands. Uh, he's a Chicago guy. Um but yeah, so Cheap Trick went and recorded a uh, re-recorded In Color with Steve Albini as their producer. And it's heavier and noisier and raucouser and more raucous, whatever. <laughs> so some of it sounds quite an improvement. Other other parts, it's like, eh, it's just kind of a noisier version of In Color. No big improvement. Um, Tom Worman did the original In Color. But you read the comments, everybody's like raving like crazy all over the whole thing. I didn't think it was that big a deal. Uh, but anyways, that's another example uh, sort of like uh, like that one. All right. Let's take a short uh, break. We shall be right back. All right, back again. History and five songs with Martin Popoff, episode 124. Re-recording the old hits. Um, take a listen to this, and we'll discuss. This is Queensryche with Empire. Oh. All right, so is it Queensryche, is it not? This is in that uh, little weird nether space when um, they hadn't quite decided that Jeff Tate could not have the Queensryche name when he broke away from the band, uh, and quickly he stuck out an album out there by Queensryche, although he put an umlaut on just to show a, a slight difference, but he did this great album uh, called Frequency Unknown. Uh, so it was a new Queensryche album of new songs. So, so for a brief time there, before they settled it in court, there were two competing um, bands called Queensryche. Now there's still a Queensryche, and now there's an Operation Mindcrime, and now Queensryche are fighting with Scott. Um, so now they're having a big war about this whole thing about, uh, you know, briefly what happens was, uh, Scott, um, Scott goes off on kind of like more or less paternity leave. Um, But then he doesn't, it sounds like he doesn't stay in communication all that well. And he doesn't come back when he's supposed to come back and they're not talking to each other. And all of a sudden Queensryche says, we're moving on. We're not paying you anymore. Like you're out of the You're out of the whole thing, more or less kind of thing. And Scott is, is like, and and so they're, they're basically disagreeing on, um, you know, I would say, uh, did did Scott sort of step away and go hiatus in good faith? That's kind of what they're arguing about, essentially, uh, at this point. So so they've got this new war going on that's different from the war with Jeff Tate. But what Jeff Tate went and did uh, just to just to kind of rub salt in the wound. And there's there's obviously some some anger issues going on here as well, uh, and also probably a little bit of this whole idea of of him thinking. Maybe people will will use these re-recorded versions of stuff and I get to keep the pay. Um, But essentially what he did is uh, on the end of the Frequency Unknown album uh, with his new band, he went and recorded pretty darn faithful versions of, um, uh, let's see, what do we got here? I Don't Believe in Love. from Operation Mindcrime Empire, which we just played, Jet City Woman, uh, also from Empire, and Silent Lucidity, also from Empire. So he he went and re-recorded these songs and and put them on here. So, so you know, contentious in a couple of ways. He's calling this band Queensryche. He's doing this pretty. It's all his stuff is really good. I mean, the Operation Mindcrime stuff is amazing, and what Queensryche doing is still uh, amazing as well. By the way, I wanted to just mention that. um a uh, buddy of mine, James Beach, uh, just put out a, a mammoth, awesome, well done, uh, super biography of Queenswreck. I think it's called Building an Empire, uh, but it's gorgeously done. Obviously, super, super amount of research. I think it's done uh, with the band's blessing and co- cooperation. There's a bunch of photos in it as well. It's all black and white throughout, but it's it looks like um, it looks like it would be a really good, detailed, sincere, academic read. So, uh, so check that out. New book, uh, first biography of Queen's by James Beach. Um, let's see. So, so also kind of in this world. Just wanted to rattle off a few things of bands. You know, re-recording a few of their old hits. Remember, there was Deep Purple with Bloodsucker, where they spelt it the B-L-U-D that they stuck on the band of a band uh, on the end of abandon. There was Hush '88 pointless really uh motley Crue did some remixing of their stuff quiet riot alive and well has re-recorded hits obviously stipulated in the contract with cleopatra deaf deaf leopard went and re-recorded a whole bunch of their major hits um As Neil says, because they had a dispute with a record company over licensing in movies, etc. So again, the same issue we talked about before. So they did carbon copies, apparently with a token thumbs up from Mutt Lang. So I went and played a bunch of those Def Leppard songs. They are really, really close. So again, they've got these versions that... Could get used, or forget about all the legalities of getting used. Def Leppard fans might listen to these versions more than the other versions, right? So you could just do that. Um, Ringo Starr added re-recordings of classic hits to his Give More Love album from 2012. Mike and the Mechanics, All I Need is a Miracle 96 from the Hits Collection. Out of the Blue album of re-recorded hits from twenty nineteen with new lineup three new songs thrown in as well uh remember when UFO walk and Water came out they had on their uh doctor doctor and lights out uh, I think they even called them as usual the cheesy method dr doctor, doctor ninety five lights out ninety five or whatever you know and that's a situation where the record company who's signing you is kind of insisting or recommending you do this and really you know again the whole idea is. Um, maybe more fans will buy this simply because there's a couple of classic UFO songs on there with the added curiosity, uh, you know, level of, of it being a new version of it. And sometimes these new versions are, are, you know, they're benefiting from new production values and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, Glenn Hughes, Burn, and You Fool No One re-recorded on a solo album from now on. The Trogs re-recorded a whole bunch of hits for '80s releases on some obscure label. Rainbow released those re-recorded versions of some Rainbow classics with Ronnie Romero in recent years as bonus tracks from the live albums. Uh, Asia, John Payne lineup recorded some hits for the anthology compilation. Um, so yeah, a lot of that goes on as well. Just where you get, you know, a, a, uh, you know, a few isolated moments of this. All right. Let's move on to our next selection here. Take a listen to this. This is ZZ Top with Uh Lagrange. okay so this is not a re-recorded version here we're actually really talking about um bands remixing and this is this is one of the most contentious ones obviously there's the aussie stuff where where they where they erased the bass uh the bass and drums track and drum tracks and put those out that is a half re-recording right so so that's uh that's half and half and you know that all got blamed on sharon and um You know, they took a lot of abuse when they did that. And, you know, apparently uh, Dave Mustaine touched up a lot of stuff when they did, you know, quote unquote, remasters remixes reissues you know all those words are used very loosely when when people are doing this sort of stuff but the interesting thing about this lagrange i wanted to play this uh this is from the six-pack box set remember when that came out um what had happened there is is um oh what's his name anyways um the the the, uh, the producer on it went and uh and redid uh kind of got way into the 80s production uh, for the thing. I actually got it handy here. What is, Bill Ham, right? Uh, Bill Ham, more or less, and, and engineers and whatnot. But um, uh, essentially what happened was this was an egregious example of a, of a big sort of um, reverb-y drum sound getting added to a bunch of songs, and it was really quite annoying, and it got people really, really mad. But this is all the only way you can get these albums for a little while there uh, on CD. What do we got here? So we've got, it's the first... Yeah, it's the first uh first uh 5 albums in a row. Uh, plus El Loco, just kind of a weird, weird thing. So they left out off DeGueo, presumably because DeGueo was probably available on CD. Um, but yeah, it was really annoying that they did that. And then um, I looked on YouTube because I was quite puzzled when I was picking the song to put on here on Spotify because I realized that, hey, wait a minute, a whole lot of this is actually the original mixes, yet it says six pack. There's always some weird things going on with Spotify. So I looked it up on YouTube and uh, Richard Lundy over there, I definitely want to give him credit for this. He did a great analysis of uh, of the whole uh, six-pack box set that you can read over, you know, how YouTube has before the comments start. Sometimes there's a big explanation. Uh, and he confirmed for me what I thought. He said, I've decided for historical state to Sake to release the remixes as some of these are hard and to, impossible to find on YouTube. And strangely, the six pack on iTunes and Spotify contains some of the remixes. Then others are the original mixes, which is quite strange. And I remembered Lagrange really bothered me. So so when I went through my Spotify, I made sure I checked Lagrange, and it did sound like you know what you should be hearing here is the um, is the uh, you know the one with the with the big annoying drum sound on it. But Fascinatingly, Richard mentions a bunch of stuff I didn't didn't mention at the time stuff like I'll just I'll just rattle off a few of these. The guitar solo and just got paid is shortened. a tiny bit of the guitar intro to backdoor love Affair is cut. Uh, the song just got back from babies uh, uh, yeah ma- uh, makes the remix obvious with the guitar being much more in your face and distorted. the intro why don't you douse that light has been made louder. Coco Blue is sped up and in a higher key. I didn't remember that. Uh, in uh, in Chevrolet during the guitar solo, another solo begins playing towards the end, but it is low in the mix. This is not present on the original. Apologies to Pearly does not fade into the next song. Barbecue, the intro does not fade in from the previous song, meaning the intro is longer and has some previous unheard guitar lines. And on and on and on. He, he, he basically breaks down, I think, probably every track or most of the tracks here, um, which was kind of cool. But I like that he confirmed that that spot Spotify thing is puzzling, but I actually own a physical of the six pack, and if I remember correctly, the whole thing is like that. There, can you hear that? That's the uh, that's the loose discs in the uh, you know the big clamshell box set, um, but. Um, but yeah, so, so that's a, that's a known example of this sort of thing. And just to mention some other examples, you know, Kiss Double Platinum smashes, uh, thrashes and hits. There's, you know, we've got Strutter 78. Uh, that's actually a, a redo, but yeah, so there's a lot of examples of remixing and all that. But yeah, I just wanted to mention this little kind of interesting ZZ Top story. All right, let's move on. Our last track for the day is uh, Peter Gabriel, Red Rain. Take a listen.
1: Sound is your scream It can't be that cold The ground is too warm to touch
0: So this is a bit of a grab bag. This is this is the idea of of radical redos. Now this is Red Rain you're hearing the orchestral version from from New Blood October 10th 2011. Basically what he did is he went and recorded a bunch of his old classics uh in in pretty thoughtful orchestral versions. I hate when bands do this. This was actually a follow up to uh when he went and did uh orchestral versions of other people's songs so he did a covers album that's a whole nother episode we could do covers albums um called scratch my back um and obviously many other bands uh, have done orchestral uh, versions, we've got Kiss Alive 4, we've got Metallica, s and and on and on and then you've got the whole MTV Unplugged where bands do acoustic versions of their songs, but I thought this was a pretty good one and I, I wanted to represent uh, because it kind of feels, well it, it does fit the uh, you know the concept of this episode, um, so there you go Not, nothing much more to say about it I'm, I'm one thing about Peter Gabriel that bothers me is that he was off to such a great run, he made all those great records, some of of my favorite albums of all times, and then just things got slower and slower and slower, and he and you know the albums got more belabeled, and you got so and um you've got us and up and and all that and and just you know he just ground to a halt sort of thing i wish i wish we'd be sitting here talking about 20 peter gabriel studio albums but we're not unfortunately um so that's too bad i mean one of the great great artists of all times you think of the melted face album and security wow i mean amazing amazing stuff um so yeah this is pretty darn annoying um listening to these orchestral versions of uh, of these hits but there you go um I almost went and picked, uh, <laughs> police with don't stand so close to me. 86, a horrible, horrible 80s production version of that song. Um, let's see what else I mentioned those ones. Uh, you know, you've, you've got, um, other things that, uh, well, I guess this fits more in the remix thing. You've got live wire. Um, I'm just mentioning some honorable mentions here, the kick-ass 91 remix that uh, gets put on, uh, uh, Decade of Decadence along with Piece of Your Action, the Screamin' 91 remix. So obviously there's many, many examples of remixes and stuff. And remember that whole thing when, when over in the UK, you'd get the 12-inch remix versions of not just dance stuff. You'd get a lot of hard rock stuff that would, would do all that as well. But, um, you know, mentioned as well, Chicago 80s versions of 25 or 64 with Jason's Chef on vocals, unrecognizable arrangements. So also, this is, this is Neil giving me these great comments. Genesis Carpet Crawlers 99, same deal, very different sounding re- this is not a carbon copy at all i went and listened to also the steve hackett um Here's a curious comment I didn't know about. Neil says Axel apparently re-recording the whole of Appetite with his new lineups, never officially released. I've never heard that story. ELP re-recorded Touch and Go, originally uh EL Powell, Emerson Lake and Powell, so technically a cover, I guess, on the Return of the Manticore box set from 93, along with some other oddities. Uh, and there you go. Um, so yeah, I I just kind of wanted to do this episode uh to remind of, of some interesting stories in remixing and redoing and then. And also a little bit about the reasons why you, why you see some of this stuff uh, done. Yeah. The the Twisted Sister one's a, a big example that was pretty famous at the time when they redid Still Hungry. And there that fits almost a little bit into the, into the anger thing, right? The anger thing. Well, well, Jeff Tate is angry at his band, but Twisted Sister was more or less angry at Tom Werman. Um, so they they were never happy with the mix of I think still I I think I did a whole episode on on that whole thing so I I won't go into it. Um but there you go. Hope you liked this episode. Where are we here in our notes here? Um yeah, I guess I guess we are at the end. Um if you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi.com uh, uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Uh, buy me a coffee or a pint. I really hate doing the little Facebook thing once a week, but I do I do a little ask there as well to remind people, and that sometimes works. Uh, but on that front this week, um, I would like to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Bruce Campbell, Alan Cullen, Kevin Donaldson, Tim Durling. Remember, he's got the Kickstarter for his uh book on the history of eight tracks uh david fisher jamie laszlo who's been doing some contrarian stuff with us uh pretty cool i've got one i'm gonna do with them next week but we just had the van halen one go check that out um that's getting quite a lot of comments um you know, he picked for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge uh, as his favorite Van Halen. Uh, and also Neil Miller, again, uh, again, who's, you know, the theme of this episode. He's really helped out with it. And Augustin Garcia de Paredes and Brian Sager. There you go. Uh, martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Like I say, the Yes uh, the Yes Coffee Table book is gone, but I have about 25 of the Nazareth left. I've still got the eye heap. And I have one box left of the Thin Lizzy visual biography and one box left, unopened box of the Van Halen visual biography as well. Uh, So martinpopoff.com for that. Hope I reminded you of some interesting things to go uh, re-listen to. Thanks again. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts.